This episode is brought to you by the National Jewish Retreat. Join the 14th Annual National Jewish Retreat in Washington, D.C. from August 13 to 18, 2019. Check it out at jretreat.com and enter the code JLP at checkout to receive $50 off. And yes, I will be there. Head over to jretreat.com and enter JLP at checkout. Jewish Latin Princess, Episode 103, Abby Wallen. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at JewishLatinPrincess.com, your host, Yael. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. I'm Yael Trush, your host. Welcome to the show. How's your summer going? Mine is great. Although if you are a consistent weekly listener, you may have noticed that I've been lagging a little bit behind. It's kind of the summer vibe, I guess, around here. But more than that, it's because I've been spending a lot of time with my children, getting them ready to go to camp. And also, I'm getting ready for the National Jewish Retreat, where I'll be speaking four times on different subjects. So all of that is really consuming my time. I've also intentionally been in a bit of a hiatus from social media. You may have, you may have noticed that I do that from time to time. I'm sorry, just too much to keep up with, I guess. It's a definitely a lot going on, all very exciting. I'm, I'm, I'm savoring every moment. Um, and today's guest knows all about that. I have the wonderful Abby Wallen. Abby is a dynamic business coach who wasn't always a coach. In fact, she's learned about business in the school of hard knocks, as they say. Like many of us, she's had to pivot several times. She's had to push herself out of her comfort zone in order to build a business that was scalable and profitable. But as she achieved this, she also realized that she loves teaching women how to do this, how to build businesses. So she launched the 30-day business challenge or biz challenge and became the program coordinator for the JWE or JewishWomanEntrepreneur.org. Most recently, this past June, Abby launched Abby TRL, an online community where she hopes to help women live the real life, whatever that means for them. And we'll talk about that. Abby takes us through her entire entrepreneurial journey. What was the turning point in her business as an artist? How did the challenge of having a special needs child change the way she was operating as an entrepreneur? We talk about the hot topic of encouraging female entrepreneurship while making sure we're not discounting the importance of women's roles as the central figure of family life. Yes, shalom bayit, peace and the home and entrepreneurship, we talk about it. Abby gets real and honest with us. Now that Abby has figured out making money in business, how would she grade herself when it comes to managing her money? What is next for Abby and so much more? Listen up, ladies, you will learn so much from the vibrant and charismatic Abby Wallen. (laughs) 
Abby Wallen, welcome to Jewish Latin Princess. How are you? Hi, thank you so much for having me. I am doing great. It's so good to have you on the show. I, I, I can't wait to dive in because, Abby, you have such an interesting journey. We have so much to unpack today. Well, first of all, you've been <laughs> through a journey that I think makes it so relatable because it hasn't been a straight line, which I think it's the reality for most women, to be honest. Many of us know us from the early days of Abby from Not to Shabby. I mean, how many crafts have we done in this home thanks to you? Hello? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you've been through pivots over the year very gracefully. You have worked on your own creations as an artist. You had a storefront. Most recently, you streamlined your business. You partnered with a manufacturer. You rethought your entire business and you've taken what you've learned through that entrepreneurial journey and you're teaching it to other female entrepreneurs. I mean, so much has happened. Now you're also, I should add, the program coordinator for JWE as well. So as I said, we have a lot to unpack and a lot to learn from you. Why don't we get started with you taking us back in time and maybe connect the dots for us throughout the journey up until today, perhaps shed some light on those pivots that got you to where you are today as Abby Wallen. Okay. Um, so I think that in general, entrepreneurship is always a journey. I think that, you know, our, our our successes, right, our collective successes are literally all of the failures put together and mm -hmm. we're standing on all of those things. And mm -hmm. it's not just, it's not only just failures, it's, it's a little successes along the way, but every single opportunity that comes your way that doesn't work out, it's not a no, it's just another yes. It pushes you to where you need to go to in life. And I've learned that a lot, you know, the easy way and the hard way. Mm -hmm. And I started originally as a teacher. Um, I went to art school and I became a teacher because, in you know, I got married, I had kids and I just needed a job, you know, mm -hmm. art is hard to find, you know, they, they don't call them starving artists for nothing. And um, <laughs> I, I was a teacher and every summer I used to um, challenge myself to learn a new craft. And mm -hmm. that summer I decided I was going to learn how to paint on glass. I don't know why, but I decided to. And um, I had collected like just a ton of stuff from painting it all the summer and my parents lived on the beach mm -hmm. um, in Long Beach, New York. And my sister, who was a character artist at the time, said, hey, Abby, why don't you come and have a booth on the beach? Bring your stuff and sell it. This is so before the days that you're on video on Chabad.org. Oh, is, yeah, yeah. No, this uh -huh. is like 2009. Uh-huh. So, and Chabad.org was like a couple years later. So, um, this is like literally the beginning. Mm -hmm. So um, she says, come, and I, I sold out the entire, I told, sold out all my stuff that day. Mm -hmm. And I knew I kind of had something. And so what I did was I started going to different stores. Like, like, you know, schools have these um, boutiques every yeah, year. Yeah, like these bazaars um, or boutiques. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Before the holidays. And mm -hmm. so I started to bring my stuff and I did the holiday circuit. And I found out all about the shows and I would go and one um, one of the shows that I went to was in Staten Island and Breezy was there. She owns a, a tabletop store in Long Island. And she basically said, have you ever thought about wholesaling? And I said, what is that? <laughs> and she literally taught me the business. And so between her and then I, I had another store in Impressions in, in Brooklyn. And then I and I went into Stardust in Muncie. I literally just walked in there. I showed them my stuff. I said, hey, would you be interested in, you know, wholesaling? Um, and I learned the business with these really amazing stores who really taught me how to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and what they loved about me was the fact that like everything was handmade here in the U.S. and they could have it custom designed as opposed to getting it from China. And so I started selling more and more to the stores. And by the time I had about five accounts and they were 
I was literally working all day at school, coming home, being with my kids, and then working till like, you know, midnight two in, or two in the morning, depending, getting that done. I also, at the time, was um, the painter exclusively for Ketra Judaica. So if you ever got any yarmulkes or tzitzis that had painted stuff on it, like cars and trains and anything like that, I was the painter. Hmm. Um, and so I was doing all of that work in my house, and I couldn't, I just couldn't keep up with the demand. So I hired employees, and I was working on my dining table. And then in 2010, um, this is also like pre-everything, um, I actually walked into, oh, uh, no, Chaya Apple Fishman, Apple Fishman, she was doing um, the JWE for the first time. Mm-hmm. And she said to me, hey, um, why don't you come to the conference? And I said to her, like, you know, what do I, like, why should I go? What am I going to learn? She goes, Abby, what's the one thing that's holding you back in your business? And I said, funding. So she said, I'm going to introduce you to EPI. Um, they give uh, they give small business loans to women. And I really think that you have something here. Talk to him and see if it works. Um, through the JWE and through EPI, I was able to get a $25,000 loan and I moved from my house into a studio space, um, and I stopped teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, um, and then from there, um, Chabad.org reached out to me and said, hey, would you consider um, doing some crafts um, for Chabad.org? And so I had a, I had a producer. She ended up moving and, and leaving. That's why the videos ended up stopping with Chabad.org. But that was like one of the best times of my life was doing those. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then I just started like learning how to do more and more craft, like, you know, teaching people how to do crafts. I used to do parties everywhere and... Um, what ended up happening was is that I, I ended up going from five accounts to 90 wholesale accounts throughout the United States and Canada. I went to shows all over. I was the only Orthodox Jewish woman showcasing at these tabletop shows, mm-hmm. um, which was quite interesting. And people would ask me a lot of how do you get into trade shows? How do you build a business? How do you wholesale? How do you source? How do you find good employees? How, like all these different things. And so um, finally, um, I was basically working crazy, crazy hours because everything was on me. And my mentors kept saying, Abby, you're not going to be able to scale this business if you don't teach other people how to do the painting. And, and so I tried. Like, I really, really, really tried. It wasn't like I didn't. Mm-hmm. But no one could do the roses like I did. And the stores noticed the difference. And um, they weren't happy with the difference. And so um, it was either, um, you know, figure out a different pattern that can be scalable or get out of the business. Mm-hmm. So I went on to Instagram stories um, last year in 2018, January of 2018, and I basically got on stories and I said, listen, I'm working crazy hours. The work-life balance is, that struggle is real and it's hard and it's challenging and I am going to work this, for the next three months. We're in it together and we're going to figure out a solution because I cannot keep working these crazy hours and not make a lot of money because I was, I was grossing a lot of money, grossing a tremendous amount of money um, and netting very, very little. Your expenses were way too high. The expenses and the cost of reproduction Mm -hmm. at the level that I was doing, Mm -hmm. I was literally like, I was just spending money right and left. I I could have just gotten like, I could have gone back to teaching. That's how much little money I was making. And it didn't, it really didn't make sense. I see. I see. So, um, so this is People, 2018. I mean, I, How come you decided to put this on Instagram? Um, were you looking for other people to kind of, for collective help throughout the journey? Like no, what was the thought totally process? Not, 
I'm an oversharer. Oh, <laughs> really? <laughs> so that's, that's I just, completely different I from me. Know. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm a total oversharer. I will tell you. You're not an introvert. Actually, no, 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 no. <laughs> and I basically said to them, I was like, you know, this is like, we're going to, I'm going to literally open my books here. Like, uh-huh. I want you to see, like, did I actually make more money? And I showed profit percentage. And I think that that also, by the way, that I finally understood profit percentage and understanding where you're making the most money. So, for example, my cake domes, I, I sold, let's say, three SKUs, cake domes, salad bowls, and, and pitchers, right? Mm-hmm. Well, you would think that, let's say, my cake domes are, you know, they sell at $150. Let's just, I'm just throwing that number here. Yeah. They sell at $150 and you buy the product for 20 bucks. You would assume that that's a much higher profit percentage for, let's say, a salad bowl that you get for 250 and you sell it for $30, uh, $60, right? So the profit percentage, I, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not doing this on math, whatever, but the, the issue became, and this is where I actually figured it out, was that I could only bake, because the paint had to be baked on, I could only put cake domes in at two at a time. Hmm. But I could literally do eight salad bowls at a time, which meant that I could sell way more and sell them way faster. Right. You had a bottleneck on the other product. Right. Right. Correct. So... Um, my, I, I, I was capped with how much I could sell. And so when I started focusing on the one thing that actually made me really big profits Mm -hmm. and I created a design that was scalable where other people could do it for me, Mm -hmm. that's when I saw a huge jump in my profits. Mm -hmm. And so that in itself, being open to explain that to people who are really, really working very hard on their businesses, that was like everything for them. And I started just resonating I went from having 4,000 followers to having 14,000 followers within like an eight-month period. That's crazy. Um, That's crazy. Uh, Yeah, you know the Instagram game. It's very, very challenging. Yeah, and also given given that you've been working at this almost eight years, but it's like once you crack the code of what, how you're going to build a really profitable and scalable business and you're able to communicate that to others, like those two things together, boom. (laughs) Correct. And I think that a lot of people hide their success or hide how mm. they've been successful because they're afraid that people are going to steal their idea or be competitors or whatever it is. And I believe very, very strongly we are only we are only as powerful as we are together. Mm-hmm. And so you have to open your mouth. You have to share because no one like there are other glass painters out there. I'm going to be honest with you. There are other you know, fluid artists, there are other, you know, you sell a piece of jewelry, there are other people who sell similar jewelry, but you, there's only one of you in this entire 100%. world, with your story, with your voice, with the way that you sell things. And no one can take that away from you. No, actually, the pie to- gets bigger. I really believe that the more you collaborate, the pie actually grows for everybody. It doesn't Correct. shrink for Correct. you. Correct. I agree with you. And so what ended up happening was, is that as I opened up my stories to people, People ask me, wait, wait, wait. At, oh, because at the end of the, the 90 days of my challenge that I had challenged myself, mm-hmm. people came to me and they were like, how did you do that? Because I had work, I stopped working 16 hours. I went down to about five to six and mm-hmm. I grew my profits up 10%. Just focusing entire- on the one product that was really, that you Correct. could, okay, okay. Correct. And you still um, have your storefront at this point. I what? I'm sorry? You still have your storefront, your storefront and your yeah, studio. Yeah, no, so... I closed the storefront. I had, and I, and I, that was the first step of like my change was I said, that storefront is literally killing me because Mm -hmm. 
people would walk in and they would want my time and they would literally come, let's say with their daughter and they would paint, let's say a $20 item, but they would take, they would literally suck up about three hours of my time. Hmm. And I, and it wasn't that I didn't want to give it to them. I, I loved having that experience and having that space for people to experience it, but they never wanted my workers. They always wanted me. I had to be there always available. I had to be there when I said that I was open and when I was closed or they would get upset um, it just became a really big headache for me and my kids felt it. Like, they right. felt like I was never home because I had to be there. So the first thing I did was I rented the front of that, that space and I only used the back as my manufacturing space. Um, that was huge because it reduced my overhead and my costs drastically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, la- so then, so then in 2008, I closed the front of the studio. I stopped doing parties and I really focused on manufacturing. Profits went up 10%. I started, I, I only worked then the five hours. I literally walked into work at 10 and I left by like two or three. Um, and I, and then what ended up happening was is that people asked me how I did it. So I started opening up to the 30 day business challenges and I went from having like, I thought literally only like 30 people who would sign up. I, the first time I ever did it, 250 women joined. Wow. Um, and then by the time I did my fourth, I've had, I've opened this up to, I was up to 600 women in total. Um, that had taken that challenge at that time. Like in, in total, almost 2,000 women have taken it. Um, however, um, what ended up happening was is that I somehow became the face of women entrepreneurship on Instagram. People would come to me and they would talk to me about, you know, running businesses. And Chaya, uh, um, Chaya she came to me and she said, listen, you know, I started the JWE while she was in um, um, uh, law school and now she's, you know, second second year of you know an m a lawyer she says listen we're set up 501c3 we have a board of directors we have the money would you consider running our conference for 2019 Hmm. um and i said you know let me think about it this is back in october um in january i decided to take the job and may we had our conference a sold out conference of 400 women it was amazing it was really it was amazing I walked in, I said, I had two ideas for it. I said, I want somebody there who's going to open up and talk about China, which is like the biggest secret ever. No one talks about China. China? And the second thing was, <laughs> I can China. tell you about so China. Okay. I used to live there. <laughs> what's the, what's the no secret? No one will tell you sourcing, <laughs> manufacturing. Everyone knows. It's like, okay. no one will say anything. All right. So that was one. I wanted somebody who would talk about China, and I got Kyle Furniture to give a massive... She ended oh, yes. up doing a roundtable that lasted like an hour and a half. It was amazing. Right, right, right. Um, and the second thing is, is I wanted Estee Rand to come and, and be there for my service industries. Um, and she was such a hit. We're ending up doing it. We're going to be doing a post, um, a post webinar with her. And we're working out creating these one day seminars coming up. Um, it, it, you know what? It's just, it's a, I feel like. All of the things that I've gone through in my life mm-hmm. have led up to this opportunity that Hashem has given me to really help women grow their businesses. Right. Um, when I decided to take the, the job at the JWE, I ended up selling my business um, while collaborating with um, Waterdale, who does manufacturing in China. Um, and that was, I guess, the way that I was able to offload the painting. Um, and get it out of my own studio. So I ended up closing my studio in February. Um, and now we do all of our manufacturing overseas. So, and I would not have been able to do that had I not gone through everything that I had gone through. 
Wow. So those are very bold and steps. So right now you're just, that is my that's, that's amazing. So right now you're just partnered with them and you do, you do the products with them, but that allows you to take on this other new passion of yours. Correct. I mean, you know, people said to me that recently they said, it's so interesting that if you read my bio, my bio talks about, you know, how I'm helping women grow their businesses, but it doesn't really say that I'm an artist anymore. I, you know, and I, and I, and, 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 and after I read that, I was like, hmm, she's right. Because to, to me, I want my legacy to be in this world that mm-hmm. I help other women grow their businesses and help them make a pranasa and provide for their family. That is everything to me. Um, and I, one of the things that I have taught all of my students is, is that is your business a hobby or a business? Mm-hmm. So if it's a hobby, you're not making money. Right. It's something that you like to do. And you're not really making a profit. And so for many, many years, and as much as I hate admitting it, for eight years, my business was a hobby. It was not a business. Um, I tried to make it into a business. And the only way that I could make it into a business was by selling, you know, by by manufacturing it overseas and having somebody, well, you know, I could technically, had I, I'll be honest with you, had I not had this opportunity of the JWE, I would probably be doing all the manufacturing and all the distributing and all that stuff on my own. But it's one of the things that I hate most of all. I'll be honest with you. There are parts of our, everyone's businesses that they love and they hate. And I hated manufacturing and I hated selling it, distributing it. Mm-hmm. I just hated it. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I didn't, not that I didn't do it and I didn't do it well. It's that I love art. I love it with all of my bones. I'm, that is my, my passion. And so now what I get to do is I get to design. I get to design anything I want. And I, and I give it to them and I get to make money off of it without right. doing all the things that I hated doing. Right. And I think that everyone has things in their businesses that they love and that they hate. And when you offload the things that you don't like doing, it allows you and frees you up to do the things that you love. And that's when you're going to see the growth in your business change because you're going to all of a sudden do the things that you are absolutely that drive you, you know, and um, I believe that that very strongly amazing what a what an incredible story you know when we talked about the jwe and and your role um in it it's 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 made me think that and tell me if you agree with this but i think that what distinguishes or rather what should distinguish our narrative in the female entrepreneurship women in business female empowerment conversations all those conversations is that we maintain our priorities and uphold our jewish values meaning we're not espousing have quote unquote having it all i hate that phrase but rather having a life aligned with jewish values that we're espousing achieving whatever it is you want and changing the world with your unique talent like you said before so long as you're the first and foremost focused on the two most important things that you have as a Jewish woman, which I think are your marriage and your children. You know, those are two things that you can't outsource. And I think you're very vocal about this. You can't put those on hold or on autopilot. And the return on investment on those two things is infinitely greater than any ROI on your business. So I'd love to hear your take on this, because I think as influencers, as communicators, your role, so many of us, we have a huge responsibility that while we are encouraging women and 
to go out there and go for their dreams and facilitating their achievements and helping them achieve that, we have to be careful not to send the wrong message or be misleading to the younger generation that God forbid our priorities get misaligned because then how are we different from, you know, the regular conversation, right? That's what distinguishes us as as Jews. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And I'm like, all these thoughts are going into my head. Like, if I say this, I'm going to get like, Pillaged. <laughs> they're gonna come and they're gonna like throw things in my house. <laughs> but why? Go for it. I mean, we have to be we have to be yeah, honest, no. right? No. So I, I believe very strongly that. Um, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to take you back for a second. Yeah. So when I was a kid, my, my father passed away when I was young at 11 years old, and he suffered from cancer for since I was in first grade. Oh, so wow. all of my childhood was basically with one parent, right? right? One parent that was sick, but really it was my mom. And then when, my mo- when I was 13, my mother remarried, and we moved from the West Coast to the East Coast. So mm-hmm. for me, I always had one parent to really rely on for mm-hmm. a lot of my stuff. So, you know, so I think that, you know, we use our childhood as adults and in our own parenting. And so I had this idea that me and my husband are partners in everything. I met him when I was 15 and we've been best friends ever since. And, you know, we do everything together. OK, so parenting, I don't believe parenting is 50-50. I think parenting is 100-100. OK, yes. you each put in everything that you have. And so one of my children is special needs. And mm-hmm. I think that that was really what changed everything for me in my business was that everything was going great until it wasn't. And when that, when like that um, stick got into my wheel and it just literally, you know, broke me and I fell off my bike, you know, and Mm -hmm. I had to really figure out my life because my son was desperately needing me. And I, I kept saying to the therapist, you know, he has two parents, like I only had one. So he's, you know, as long as one of us is around at a given time, he's good. Right. And she Mm -hmm. looked at me finally and said, Abby, no, He's not like he needs his mother just as he needs his father. And I think that, you know, and I've said that on my stories a lot and it's resonated with a lot of parents because they think that like, you know, as long as there's just one around, it's fine. But the kids feel it. Kids feel when you're not around and kids feel when they're not the priority. And so our businesses become our, they really are our children. Yeah, they're our baby. Yeah. And and, and honestly, it's easier. And I hate to say Mm -hmm. this, but like they don't talk back. Our businesses don't talk back. And it's easier to go to our business and close the door and be quiet and get our things done because also we're seeing great results. And we get a lot of positive feedback, which we don't get from our children. (laughs) Correct. Correct. So it's it's easy for us to legitimize the fact that we are working because we need to, you know, because we are making a pronouncement for our children. And I'm not, by the way, I am one of those people that literally, no joke, had no money for years and had to like, I only went to the one grocery store because that grocery store would allow me to post my checks for food. So I'm not like, I am not sitting here saying, don't work because you need to be with your children. That's not me at all. And I'm right. not saying that like legitimizing working because you have to pay for your children because one of my kids has a ton of therapies and I have to literally come up with thousands of dollars a month just to help him. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for me to, you know, like I remember when he was in a special ed school, they're like, you need to give more time to him. You need to give more time to him. And I'm like, I can't, like, how am I supposed to do that when I have to make money so that he can be here? Right. So it is a very hard place that a lot of us women are in. Yes. And I think that, and, it, and it's also easy for me to say that when I have a husband who is there for me 24 hours that I need him, you know, we both work our own, like we're both entrepreneurs. So it's easy for me to say that when a parent or a woman who is trying to run her business and her husband says to her, 
you know, um, I'm not giving you any more money. You've already spent all your money on your business and it's not working. Like quit your job and go get another, like quit this and go get a job. And it's hard to, you know, it's very, very hard that, that, um, that shalom bias issues are not, are not, you know, they're not, um, the shalom bias, it's, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to be in. And I, and it's, and it's interesting being part of the JWE and seeing the, getting to meet a lot of the women who are, have really made it in their business. And when I say made it, I mean, they are financially successful and they are being able to be there for their be be there for their children and and they really have a handle on the work life balance and a lot of the times it's because they either I'm going to be very honest with you see this is where I was going to say that I was going to get stoned <laughs> um, it's either because they have had the op- they have they have had to do it all on their own meaning they are a single mother and they are you know or they are a widow mm-hmm. or their husbands have been there every step of the way for them and they are really a partner in it. And I think that the the work life balance between your children and your husband is a very fine line. And I'm not here to you know I I I I I I I, I, I am not a Robinson. And I think it is something that every single woman who is an entrepreneur needs to find a good Robinson, a good therapist, a good mentor, who they could, <laughs> a good mentor, somebody who they can really talk to because. It is not simple. It's not not easy. It's not easy. And like you said before, it's a real slippery slope. And I think the real struggle is or the real challenge is for us to keep our eye on the ball. And and there's there's no right. Every every circumstance is so different. Um, But but as long as we're as long as part of the conversation keeps being, listen, your shalom bayit comes first, your marriage comes first, your children comes first, we can work around, you know what I mean? Like, um, Absolutely. I mean, so I think, I think a lot of the times it's hard for us to sacrifice, you know, as mothers, as women, we have been told for many, many, many generations, you don't come first, right? Right. right. And, there's, and that's... And, and, yeah. and there's a huge change, if you've noticed, in the last year that, no, 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 in order for you to fill your cup, like, you yeah. have to fill your cup up first so that yeah. you overflow to everybody else. Happy wife, happy to- life. <laughs> <laughs> right. But it's easy for us to say those things when you don't have to, like, run out and do carpool and mm-hmm. then come home and make dinner and then mm-hmm. have this kid who's having a huge tantrum on the floor and then you're looking at your accounting and you're like, I don't even have money for groceries this week or are they right. going to turn off my, my, my electricity, electricity this week or you know what it is. It's, it's, it's very easy to say these things and then how do you actually live that life, you know, every day? So that's, I guess, my biggest platform now on social media, on Instagram. I, I just launched something called Abby TRL, which is basically being more in control of your day-to-day and mm-hmm. being aware of your life and saying, you know, let's live the real life. And I really hate, by the way, I just want to say this. I hate it when people use that catchphrase. Oh, like, like I think it's like glorified now to show your imperfections, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's not about like saying, oh, look, I like I'm a real person and I really like, you know, I have braces or I'm a nerd or whatever it is. But like when you're at a like a lunch date and you're at a really big, you know, interview or whatever, and you're pulling out like something and outcomes pacifier, that's TRL. You know, that like that is your your life, your entrepreneur life, your actual life, your business life, your mom life. All of that is we're balancing it all and we're doing it together. And 
and, you know, acknowledging our successes and acknowledging our failures as a community, that's what everything is about. And so um, this June, I just launched, instead of doing the challenges, I launched the dare. And it's about just daring you to do things like, you know, I dare you to live your, like, I dare you to change something in your business that's not working. Mm -hmm. I dare you to say no. I dare you for once today say no to something that you really wanted to say yes to. But when you say yes to that, you're saying no to a lot of other Uh things that you probably wanted to say yes to. This is so So important. I dare you to say no. I dare you to go through your mail. I dare you to go through your <laughs> open, mail. Open your bank statement. <laughs> right? So it's a matter of just like getting you to actually be in touch with your real life and not just the life that we show um, to the world and even sometimes that we show to ourselves or to our children or to our spouses. You know so what? getting in touch with who you really are. Yeah, and something to add to this is that we, especially now that we're so consumed with the social media and everybody's portrayal of their lives, these success stories, they are not an overnight success and it is so easy to think oh look she's done it well it took her 15 years to get to where she is and it took her raising her children and like like it's not overnight and sometimes we have to slow ourselves down and say it's all about baby steps we don't have to rush through this because otherwise we might trip (laughs) big time (laughs) no it's true and it's funny it's like you know as I'm mentoring more and more students um through their businesses they're like wait but like you just showed me how to do it so like why am I not making money and I said do you think that I was an overnight success do you think that like you know, all of a sudden you're going to do it and instantly people are going to sign up for your digital course or they're going to sign up right. for this or they're going to sign up for a webinar. No, like these are the mechanics of how you do it. Now you do it 10 times more. Exactly. Do it again, 10 uh, times again. throughout the year, throughout two years. You, if you're an entrepreneur, you better get used to being poor for at least two to three years because you're not making money for a while. <laughs> um, it, it's just the way it is. And <laughs> nobody wants to hear it. Everyone thinks that they're going to be, you know, you know the success story or the one that broke the mold and it 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 just it doesn't happen it really i mean for the most part it really doesn't happen it takes a lot of time Hey, what are you doing this summer? Would you like to join me and over 70 of the world's most renowned Jewish educators and interesting men and women in Washington, D.C. for the week or weekend of a lifetime? You can join me at the 14th Annual National Jewish Retreat at the Marriott Wardham Park Hotel in Washington, D.C. from August 13 to 18, 2019. You can come for all of it. You can come for part of it. But the most important part is that you come. You will nourish body and soul in a way you've never experienced before. Check it out at jretreat.com and use the code JLP at checkout to receive a $50 discount. Come by yourself, come with your husband, come with your entire family. There's something for everybody at the National Jewish Retreat. This is the vacation that you deserve this summer. Head over to jretreat.com and receive your special $50 discount by entering the code JLP at checkout. Code expires August 1st, 2019.
Abby, what would you say, now that we've been so open with the reality of what it takes, what would you say is something that you practice habitually that helps you stay grounded, stay focused on your priorities, keep it all together? Is there something that you that, that really helps you that you do regularly? Yeah, so um, something that I learned a long time ago is, is that it's not about your morning routine, it's about your night routine. Mm. So if you want to be prepared for the morning, you really need to prepare the night before. And so what I do is, is I used to have a really hard time sleeping at night because I had all these ideas of what I'm going to do the next day. And I Mm -hmm. would say, okay, remember this, remember this, remember this. And so what I started doing is, is I have a chair in my room, a lazy boy. I sit on the lazy boy before I go to bed. I write down everything in my planner for the next day, everything. Okay. I literally just brain dump it all. And then, so, you know, I go through my schedule. I see what I have for the next day. I write down all the questions that I need to ask myself in the morning. I also write down um, any notes that I need to take care of or any, like, you know, errands or things like that. I write it all down in my planner. After that, I do Nishmas, which is, you know, um, a tefillah for gratitude. Mm -hmm. I thank Hashem for everything that he's given me. And, um, and I write one thing that I was grateful for for that day. Um, and that is my night routine. It keeps me grounded because nice. it, just, it reminds me of all the things. Like I, 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 am not, I am only here and I am only successful because Hashem put me here with this mouth and <laughs> with this brain. <laughs> and I am, no, I'm like, I'm really lucky. I mean, unfortunately, I've lost a lot of people in my life. I, you know, I lost my, my father when I was young. My sister, my older sister, who was my real mentor. She, you know, I really, you know, she's my big sister. She passed away five years ago. Oh, so, um, we're, we have a very limited time on this earth and yeah. it's how you use it that's mm-hmm. going, that makes all the difference. So that is, yeah. So that's what I do. My night routine is like everything. I love that. I love that. Abby, now that you've figured out the making money part, the running a business in the best possible way aligned with your values and everything else, I'm curious about your relationship with money. How would you say that is? How would you rate yourself on the money management part and in your relationship with money on a scale from one to 10, 10 being (laughs) the best? How would you fare when it comes to managing your money? Okay, so it used to be like a two or a negative, but I have to get to zero. (laughs) I love that. Um, Honesty. <laughs> by the way, by the way, you should know I'm right there with you, and I and I have an MBA, and I studied. Pro- I mean, I could tell you stories. We we could go an hour. We could go on this, but yes, it used to be at a zero or close to a zero. Yeah, go <laughs> on. A negative, a negative number. <laughs> um, I would say now, like I'm making. I, I I feel not that I'm making, but that I understand money more. Like we hired. We hired um, a financial planner. We hired a, you know, I had a lot of student loans. I had understanding just like our credit report. So mm-hmm. I hired, a, you know, DNF credit who really, they really understand that. So just also how to build credit, how to grow it. Um, so they've really been helping us. Um, so I would say I'm, I'm not at a good six or seven. Good I'm definitely you. not more than that. Not even. No, like, because I think it's just a matter of like, first you have to get real with your numbers. Yeah. And you really have to like, unfortunately, like really, really go down in the dirt that nobody wants to go into. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have to figure out how do you cut costs? How do you make more money? And then how do you, And well, how about this? How to cut costs, how to fix your debt how to make more money, and then how to make more money, money grow. The money that you got. Exactly. Yeah, how exactly. to make your money grow. And by the way, just so you know, it's not even as simple because all through this, you have to deal with all the emotional um, baggage that money triggers. So it's not just dealing with numbers. It's all the emotions that <laughs> come come at it's us true, while we're doing it. You know, when I- 
one of the things that I learned a long time ago was is that I have, um, you know, like having a vision board, but I don't do a vision board. Like I don't write it down and like have a picture or whatever. But like, I, like I, I use this thing. It's called a 10-year rule where I, I think about myself where I'm going to be in 10 years. And so mm. and I close my eyes and I and I do this I do this quite frequently. And I, you know, right now I'm 38. I can't believe I just told everybody I'm 38. Most people think I'm much younger, but I am. I'm 38 years old. I have a 16-year-old daughter. And so when I think about myself in 10 years, I'm like, oh my God, I'm 48, but my daughter is going to be 26. You could be a bubby. be married with kids. <laughs> yeah, I'll be a bubby. And then I'm thinking to myself, say, like, what does my life look like? And, and so and down to like, where am I sitting at that moment? What does it look like? What does it smell like? What do I hear? Hmm. And I and I and and when I envision myself in ten years, what does my life look like? And so you know, Rachel Hollis. I don't know if you know Rachel Hollis, yeah. but she has this thing called the ten ten one. So it's what are you like in ten years? And then when you get that vision, write down all the dreams, the ways that you like. What are all the ten th- ten things of all the things that you see there? So like you know, I, I envisioned a lot of different things, but my number one thing was that I was healthy. I have um, an autoimmune disease and, you know, I haven't been, um, I have severe allergies. And so one of the things that I saw when I closed my eyes and I looked at myself, I was like, mm-hmm. wow, I'm a healthy person. And so wow. I thought, so, so her thing is 10, 10, one. And the one is pick one goal and start with that first. And mm-hmm. so I decided that that was going to be the one thing that I started first. And so I started running in, in January and I, and I, I, I see a naturopath that I, you know, I got braces because <laughs> of my teeth. I had a problem with my teeth. And so like all these different things that I decided, you know what, like you only live life once, once. Right, and your health. you better live it the best ever. And so to me, that was my health. So I, and I keep that, that vision that I saw that day in my head and that's what keeps me going. And that's my drive. I love um, it. I love yeah. it. That's a perfect segue to my next question. Three things, okay. Abby, that you would say to your younger self. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay. Three things. Um, I would say, uh, don't underestimate me. Hmm. Like, don't underestimate yourself. Don't listen to what people are saying about you. You, you are stronger than, than, you, than you give yourself credit for. Um, another thing I would say is spend more time with the people that you love. Mm-hmm. Um, and one other thing I would say, pay my credit cards. <laughs> time. <laughs> Amen to that. <laughs> We're from the same generation, Gen X. We got messed up with those credit cards in, in college. <laughs> At least I Seriously, did. Seriously, <laughs> I didn't know that you actually had to pay them back. Come like, on. There was Abby, a <laughs> in, in my days, you would walk into college, you would walk into the student center, and there would be like a plethora of credit card companies lined up giving you a free t-shirt and you know that's that's what you got and so you open a card and if you hadn't been taught at home what this was about well <clears throat> I don't want to tell you what happened <laughs> within two or three years <laughs> wow, wow that's wow, illegal wow. they're not allowed to do that anymore <laughs> for obvious reasons but uh yeah um wow yeah it was it was there were crazy times the 90s weren't let's just uh, anyway um Abby <laughs> thank god we're past that um Abby how would you define the words living a joyful, richer Jewish life? What, what do those mean to you? What comes to mind? I think what it means to me is living your life in the moment. So mm. when, you know, and I, and I say this a lot about, I hate that we're balancing it all, you know, because, you know, I hate the third, I call it the 30, 30, 10. At 30, 30, 30, 10. It's, you know, and that equals 100. So mm-hmm. you give 30 to your husband, 30 to your kids. 30 to your business and you leave 10% for yourself, right? And it's called, and it's this game that we play, like hoping that we're going to beat it, but we never do. Mm -hmm. 
I think that when you give 100% to whatever's in front of you at the time, then you're giving all to yourself and you're, I mean, all to that person, all to that thing. And then you're able to give much more attention to the things that the less, you know, the next thing. So yeah. like, you know, as women, we call it like our browsers, right? We have so many browsers in our heads open, right? I've got tons of tabs open right now, but I'm only focusing on one screen at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I close it out, I exit out and I go to the next screen. Now it, I'll be honest with you, it is very hard when three of your children are screaming at you at the same time, you know, so (laughs) it's hard to focus, but, you know, especially when you're making dinner, but you know what, you just turn to them, you get down to their eye level and you say to them, how can I help you? Um, And, you know, don't push them off. And, you know, I think that that to me is living an authentic Jewish life is that those moments that come to us, you know, the different holidays, Shabbos, Mm -hmm. all that stuff is just making it much more. I I play games with my kids. I, you know, my kids love playing cards. I play cards with them. No board games, but I'll play cards. So, <laughs> no board games. <laughs> I don't think forever. No, I'm no, I'm being I have, You have no patience for that. I love that it's you said that. that. I, mm-hmm. I have, I have serious a competitive streak in me. Ooh, Very competitive. I could totally relate. So I can I have learned I cannot play board games with my kids because I, <laughs> I just get too competitive with them, and it's not fair to them. So I play cards. I'm really good with cards. I know exactly um, what you're saying. Oh, totally, 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 totally. By the way, what? Maybe were you Scorpio? I know this is totally not Jewish, but like, totally what, not. Totally no? not. Oh, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm born on the cusp of Capricorn and and, and uh, uh-huh. Aquarius. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I be either. I, I'm living a double life. A double life. I love what you said because it's such a Jewish message to be present, to be in the moment. It is, it is just, it's, it's key. Abby, you've been great. I actually want to ask you before we do JLP fill in the blanks, which is a really fun part of the show. What's next? Okay. Um, what do you foresee? I mean, are you going to continue marketing? Are you doing your art? Are you, do you see oh, yourself focusing more on your business <laughs> coaching? What's next for Abby Wallen? I mean, so much you've given us. Um, what do you foresee? So as of now, I can tell you that my art is really going to become more of a hobby. Um, I, I Again, I, I sold the business to um, Waterdale. I get to do all of the designing. I have three other companies that I designed for and I make mm-hmm. royalties off of, which is mm-hmm. something that I, I'm Mr. Wonderful if you ever watch Shark Tank. Um, I love royalty deals because I get to do what I love to do and I get to make money off of it. So without having to do, again, things that I don't like doing, which mm-hmm. is manufacturing and distributing. So that is something that that I will continue doing, but very much on the side. Um, I am helping to build the um, the JWE, and we are building a real nonprofit, or I mean, it is a nonprofit organization, but what, we, what we've heard over and over and over again from the women is that they, A, want more programming, they want mentorship, they want um, they want they want us to provide them with other opportunities, um, maybe seminars or webinars or or um, you know conferences and things like that. That's a full time job. So, yeah, um, I am I am the I am the head of that right now. So we are currently building out a real organization that can really support women um, in all levels of business, from startups to corporate. Um, so that is my main focus right now, and building up Abby TRL and and. And, and having um, my own platform for, um, I do have a planner coming out. I'm obsessed with planners. Mm. I, I live with my planner. I would not be able to get anything done without my planner. I have, I have a whole goal system that I work. And so I'm creating a digital course. 
on how to achieve your goals. Um, so that I'm working on. And I think I think that, you know, I have pivoted from actually owning my own business and helping women grow their businesses. But um, we'll see where Abby goes. I don't I know. <laughs> You're catching me at a really good moment in uh, my life. Yeah, so. I mean, I, I can't I can't wait to see. And I hope you come back and share more with us because there's so much to learn here. Abby, let's wrap it up with some JLP fill in the blanks. Okay, so this is the part of the show where oh, I'm going to okay. give you an open ended sentence and you're just going to don't overthinking. Uh, no, duh, don't overthink it. You're just going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. All right. Okay, I'm so scared. Okay, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> I'm Abby Wallen and I feel most spiritual when oh goodness um when hmm. when i am at my shop table with my kids hmm. how's that beautiful my favorite mitzvah <laughs> or one that i connect with the most is um i love lighting shabbos candles yeah it's such a special moment right it's like oof. yeah you feel uh-huh. the change in the hair like oh, in the air of the house. yeah like, totally the energy changes a minute the minute you light candles the, the energy shift is immediate totally 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 my fondest sweetest jewish memory is um coming home from Simchas Torah mm-hmm. and my father had me on his shoulders mm. coming home nice walking nice. home I love that that was nice. a great moment something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is um I would have liked to have like better textural skills you know mm-hmm. I, I never like I got a lot of hashkafa growing up mm-hmm. but I have, ling- I guess I have a language processing disorder or whatever it is, <laughs> but I would have liked to have a, I would like to be able to open up a home and actually be able to read it and understand it without having to use a Hebrew English, you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about? Like, yeah. I would have liked to have better, te- like, skills. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> well, for, uh, on my end, it's because I didn't grow up with it, so I depend on my children to help me out here, but... <laughs> And I actually went to Basiaco, believe mm-hmm. it or not. Sorry, Basiaco, by my which is know, like, really a strong education. But uh, there you it's go. It's really a strong education. But I, you know what? Back in the day, they didn't. I, I for sure, I must have had learning disabilities. They didn't have that kind of stuff growing up. Now my kids forget it. They all go to learning centers and they get right. this. They get that. They have, their right. skills are off the hook. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's amazing to see Baruch Hashem. Yeah, yeah, I could totally relate. When I give tzedakah charity, I like to give too. Um, so my husband and I are. My husband's a huge cyclist, huge. Hmm. Um, and so he bikes everywhere. And um, once a year, we go to Israel um, and we fundraise for amputees in Israel. And so this year, we're actually fundraising. For a girl, her name is Esty. She lost her leg when she was 13 from carcino- carcinoma, mm-hmm. some some sort of cancer. And we're raising $50,000 right now for her to get a leg. Amazing. Where can we go check that so out? I have, I'll have my link up soon. Okay. <laughs> I don't uh, have my link yet, but um, we're raising $50,000 for her to have a new life. I mean, I've Beautiful. seen it over and over and over again with the things they've done. Um, and so my husband, so this is what we do every year. We fundraise for this organization. So, yeah. That's and where my second goes to. That's amazing. So you make it a point to make it to Israel every year with your family? I do. See, I should have said, what's your most spiritual time when I'm at that hotel? Forget it. Like, you, I get off the plane and I right. feel spiritual. Like, right. It's, just, it's unbelievable. I don't feel that way in a, sh- like, I don't feel that way as much in a shul as when you get into an Israel and it's like, it's just an overpowering, powerful feeling. So my husband and I had not been to Israel since we both were in Israel for, you know, for seminary when we mm-hmm. were 18. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we went, um, we went 18 years later. 
um, on our first trip with TNR, and we got to meet incredible people who have, like, you know, lost limbs from terrorist attacks or being in the Israeli army or from birth defects or accidents or whatever it is. <laughs> in Israel, they don't have, they'll just give them, like, a basic prosthetic. There's nothing special. And mm-hmm. they have to come to America to actually get the technology is made in Israel, but then it's brought to America. I know. Isn't that ironic? Oh, excuse me. Yeah. So they come to America, they get fitted for the prosthetic, and then they get all their therapy here. That's so that, that's <laughs> so Sorry. awesome that you guys do that. That's so beautiful. So how many years have you guys been doing this, these yearly trips? This will be our third year coming up this November. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Finally, I'm Abby Wallen. And today I'm most grateful for being alive. Yes. I know that sounds like so <laughs> depressing. But um, I am so lucky to be in this earth and so lucky that I had the opportunity and the you know, like we look at all of the things that sometimes happen to us in life okay like you know people leave us or mm-hmm. you get bad dealt a bad hand you get into a bad marriage you have children that are difficult you have no money whatever it is we look at that mm-hmm. and we say and we say gosh you know like why did these things happen to me and you could sit on your stupid you could cry about it or you yeah. could say you know what i'm going to make something of my life and despite it and with it because it's not like we ever get over our grief our grief lives with us our grief comes with us it's mm-hmm. side by side with us and it helps us propel us to get farther abby Wallen. Very about that. abby Wallen. thank <laughs> you so much this was so wonderful i hope we get to connect again because i i want you to keep us posted what you're up to in the next few years and everybody go check abby at abby Wallen com and of course on Instagram now at Abby TRL correct yeah so it's so right now we are still at Abby Wollen A B B E Y by the way everyone yes. always goes without the E yes. but it's it's Abby with an E Wollen W O L I N and that's where I that's where my party's at that's what I call it like, you know you can find everything at Abby Wollen once we start launching the digital courses and the planners then you'll find those those over at Abby TRL we'll go check it out <laughs> I so appreciate the honesty the everything your work it's so much to learn from you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, really. And call uh, a vote for what you do and how you do it. And I, I remember I was listening to Hakeem Levias, who's one of our board members for yes. JWE. And um, her podcast was fantastic. You did an amazing job. And um, and you continue to do it. So Amen. you should Thank be much, Leah. And you have many more years doing this. Thank you. Thank you. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks to Abby Wallen for stopping by. You can find Abby at abbywallen.com. That's A-B-B-E-Y, Wallen, W-L-I-N. And of course, on Instagram at Abby Wallen. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thank you also for those who've sent emails with the subject line money. I'm so thrilled to have such an audience of women who are seeking to learn more and up their financial game, of course, as always within the context of Jewish spirituality and wisdom. You will hear from me don't you worry i have each and every one of you tagged and um if you don't know what i'm talking about well let me suggest that you go back to episode 100 where i made an announcement as to what's next for me and so many of my listeners have expressed special interest aside from that the feedback on that episode was incredibly heartwarming so thank you also for that as well and as i said earlier i'm gearing up for the national jewish retreat where i'll be giving four lectures and the panelists of speakers is incredible plus the venue the food the 
entertainment, I suggest you check it out at jretreat.com. And if you'd like to join us, be sure to grab your special $50 per person discount by entering the code JLP at checkout. Yes, you will get $50 off per person. That code expires August 1st. So be sure to move fast. Again, that's $50 off per person using the code JLP when you check out at jretreat.com. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. I'll see you here next week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating, and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.